It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are of the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rupp, along with Adam Lundy. It is a pleasure to have you with us. Maybe some of you changing your routine today because of weather. Might be working from home. Maybe actually had the day off because of the snow. Or maybe some of you are sneaking out of the office a little extra early today because you want to give yourself extra travel time to get home. Whatever the reason, we welcome you to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump. Adam Lundy is the producer sitting right across from me. And we uh, we are glad so far that everything is safe where you are because, uh, you know, I didn't know if I would make it to the studio today. It was treacherous getting across town. Not so much the main drags, but then all of a sudden I got to a couple of secondary roads and I won't. Uh, yeah, I will. I'll call it out. It was Hessen Castle. It's terrible. If you can avoid Hessen Castle, do it. And if you'd like to send us some other roads that are either impassable or very rough driving today, we would love to be able to pass that on to our listeners. So go ahead and text us. Once again, our text line is 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. But uh, it, it took me 15 minutes to get to Coliseum and Hessen Castle or where the end of Coliseum kind of winds its way into Hessen Castle. And then it took me about an extra 20 minutes to get from McMillan Park out here to the uh, the Southside Maples Road barn where we have our studio. And that was because I was going about two to three miles per hour because as soon as I pushed on the gas, I started to fishtail. And uh, there's a lot of roads that appear to be wet that are now becoming black ice because the temperature is just below freezing. So do be careful on the roads, but if you'd like to pass on any road information, if there's any accidents or areas to avoid, let us know. We will pass those on this afternoon, 46862. Adam, do you have any shoveling you have to do? That's one thing about living in an apartment. Don't have to even own a shovel. Nope. Yeah, we're, we're both on the same page there. We both live in an apartment. And so. all it means is I had to walk through about uh, two feet of snow to get to my car. Oh, really? They They, they plowed our parking lots. Really? Yeah. Nope. Didn't have any. Well, the the parking lots may have been plowed at some point earlier today because they were still all snow covered. Yeah. So it was hard to tell. They weren't nearly as deep. But walking from the door down the sidewalk, nothing cleared. Wow. It was uh, it was up above my ankles. Yeah. Well, shout out to my uh, apartment. Yeah. Up, way to go. Yeah. They uh, had the sidewalks cleared. The parking lot was uh, I'm, pretty I'm in, good. I'm in the low rent district. 
I, I, I can't I, afford. Apartments. I'll tell you what. I, I can't afford the apartments you can afford, you producers. <laughs> actually, I actually know for a fact my apartment costs less than yours. <laughs> we can talk about it off off air. It probably at one point it didn't, but my apartment complex keeps jacking <laughs> my rent every renewal. Uh, oh, it's terrible. It's like mine goes up too. Yeah, yeah. Market conditions. I'm like, what? You figure that that's less than what it will cost me to move, so I'll just stay and pay? <laughs> Not so fast, my friend. Yeah, I've, uh, in fact, in the six years I have lived at my apartment, my rent has almost, almost doubled. Yeah, mine hasn't done that. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. It is, uh, uh, it is, let's see, that would be, it's an 80% increase. 100% would be doubling. It's 80% higher than it was when I moved in. I moved in because, hey, it's a studio apartment. It's not very expensive. Now, I think there's a lot of places in town I could move and get a one-bedroom. That's what I'm might saying. might even be what, able to get a two-bedroom. That's what I'm saying. We're going to have to talk. By my on. next renewal, I should start <laughs> looking at two- and three-bedroom places. We're going to have to talk off uh, in, during uh, the commercial break. We'll uh, yeah. we'll get you set up. Yeah. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine, text line 46862. Let us know any conditions, any uh, weather-related announcements. Of course, we've got this announcement because you just heard Caleb with the local sports update, and we want to clear something up. That was a recorded update from earlier today. Uh, he records those in the afternoon. And, of course, Caleb is here at, like, 6.45 every morning. And uh, when he departed, yes, we were planning on Carroll versus the Vipers tonight, high school hockey night in Fort Wayne. And uh, and that game's not going to happen. No. Uh, you know, Carroll, most, I think, every high school kind of canceled all after-school activities today. There's no school today. That's not an official announcement. No. It's not official. It's but not an official announcement, but we're assuming most of the high schools, if not all, have canceled. We don't have the list, so no. we can't say that every yeah. single thing that's happening at your school is definitely off. But high school hockey, yes, we do know, has been canceled tonight. So there's no broadcast for high school hockey night tonight, but we do have Mastodon's basketball. That is on. That's at the Gate Center. Despite the fact that campus was closed and that uh, there were no classes today, we do have priorities, and the Mastodons will play basketball. I'm kidding. Um, just doing that to stir up the academic side. But, uh, no, we do uh, have basketball, and it's one of those things where, you know, you're invested in officials who have to travel into town. You're invested in another team that has made travel, as IUPUI uh, presumably came into town yesterday and is stayed in a hotel waiting to play the game tonight. And so there will be basketball at the Gate Center tonight starting at 7 o'clock. Hopefully you make it to the game because we would love to have that support. But we also understand road conditions, maybe where you live, won't be conducive to you getting out and going to a basketball game tonight. And so we've got coverage and we will be on the air at 645 with the pregame show. Seven o'clock is the tip as the Mastodons take on their in-state rival IUPUI. Uh, big game tonight because, well, for a number of reasons. Uh, I'll get into it later as all the specifics as to why tonight's game is big, even though you look at the records and you think, okay, not a big game. Yes, it is a big game, and there's a lot of importance on this one, and I will tell you why later. But uh, Mastodon's come in number 192 on net ratings, while IUPUI is 361st out of 363 teams. And so clearly the Mastodon's a heavy favorite taking the court at home tonight, but they've already lost a couple. 
uh, of, uh, in fact, they've lost three home games in Horizon League play, which is something they've almost never done. They have been a terrific home team under Coach John Kaufman, but they've lost three home games in the Horizon League. Fortunately, they're a pretty good road team, but uh, it's another reason why, just one of those reasons I'll throw in why tonight is so important. Because you cannot suffer another home loss. Last night, speaking of home losses, the Northrop Bruins, the Lady Bruins, had a loss at home. And it was a little bit of an upset, but a classic game between Columbia City Lady Eagles and the Northrop Lady Bruins. And uh, this one went down to the, the final minutes where Columbia City got the win over Northrop. A somewhat mild upset, but I think it's an upset nonetheless. Columbia City making a bit of a statement that uh, we should not overlook them. They've got Homestead on tap coming up next Tuesday to start sectional play. And gosh, wouldn't you know, we're going to be there. We certainly will. Play-by-play broadcast of Columbia City and Homestead coming up next Tuesday night. That's game two of a doubleheader at Huntington North. And we will be there to broadcast it starting somewhere in the vicinity of 735 since it's game two. Um it uh, it will be it, it will be probably a, a flexible start, but uh, somewhere around 7:35, 7:40, we'll be on the air next Tuesday for Columbia City and Homestead. Uh, of course, we've got Northrop and Homestead coming up Friday. Double header basketball. We've got all the best high school basketball coverage presented by Indiana Physical Therapy, and of course, our Friday night post game show from Parkview Sports Medicine. Uh, with all the scores, highlights, coaches, interviews, and more live at Pizza Hut. Where are we at this week? Is that is that a Northrop home game this Friday? I think it is. And I, I may be talking uh, um, without any kind of knowledge there, but I think it is at Northrop. And so I do believe the pizza, it's going to be the Pine Valley Pizza Hut, if I'm not mistaken. Doing the research right now here for you, Brett. It's like everybody's closed tonight. Nobody's open. Yep. So uh, this Friday, the 27th, we've got Homestead at Northrop, and we will be at the Pine Valley Pizza Hut. Afterwards. There we go. So I got it right. Uh, it will be uh, it will be a full night of coverage, and this, of course, the final night of the regular season for girls basketball here in Northeast Indiana. Last night, LeBron put up a performance: 46 points. In the game against the Clippers, unfortunately, the Lakers lost. But here's why this matters. The Los Angeles Lakers make their lone appearance at Gainbridge Fieldhouse to take on the Indiana Pacers five games down the road. Okay, five games for the Lakers before they come to Gainbridge Fieldhouse to take on the Pacers. And with that 46 points last night... It's starting to put LeBron James closer to being on track to a possible historic night in Indianapolis. LeBron is, I believe, 177 points shy of the all-time NBA scoring record held by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Do you remember him, Adam? Yeah, I tuned in every uh, Saturday night to watch Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I don't know if that was sarcasm. I think there might have been a bit of sarcasm in there. It wasn't alive, Brett. 
You did look. You did watch Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, didn't you? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I've seen his highlights. Plenty you said of times. that with such a straight face, and I'm trying to put dates together. And I, I, again, the math was going right over my head. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, one of the uh, greatest bigs to ever play, if not the greatest big. Lou Alcindor, when I first started watching him in his days at UCLA. Yeah, he played his last game in 1989. Did I mention there was a big snowstorm back in 1978? It was a blizzard of 78. This one today is nothing compared (laughs) to... Back in the day, I watched Lou Alcindor. (laughs) Uh, Changed his name, you know. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the all-time record holder in total points, and LeBron James has a chance to claim that record. All he has to do is average 36 points a game over the next four, which right now, that's not out of the question. And then if he gets there and averages 36 points, and this is just hypothetical, he would go into the Pacers game needing 33 points to tie Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Which would bring drama because you'd have to go the. It's not like you'd enter the game needing two points, you know. It's it, with thirty three. It's like, oh, could he? Maybe would he? Or would he get to thirty and decide to do it the next game in New Orleans? What you know? Uh, but anyway, I'm sure LeBron still would like to figure out a way to break that record. The game before the Lakers play the Pacers. Who are they playing, Adam? Yeah, they're playing the Knicks the game before that. Yeah, the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. If we win, the Temple of Basketball, the Shrine of Hoops. If he if if he he can set he can set the record there all he wants if we win. The world's most famous arena. If we win the game, he can he can have whatever record he wants there. That uh, that would be the place he would want. Oh yeah, because of the history of that building. But the thing is, he wants it in a win. You have to think about that. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to have that record in a loss. Ultimately, do we ever ask? Did Kareem set that record in a win or a loss? That's you know, true. The, the bottom line is you're going to forget that because it's about an entire career, not just one night. It won't matter. Knicks can go ahead and win the game, and LeBron James will still be celebrated. It will still be important to him. It will still be a special night, and it could happen in New York if he averages like 42 points a game. Uh, it could av- it could happen in uh, Indianapolis if he averages about 36 points a game. The game after Indianapolis, they're on the road against the New Orleans Pelicans before they return home. Now, to get to the end of the road trip and to do it on his home floor, he'd have to average only about 25 points per game. What if he rests one of these games? Well, I thought about that. I was looking at the schedule, and I thought, is there a night that he would take off? And then he can kind of push it a little bit closer towards that home game. You know the night he would take off. Well, that's exactly because I'm looking at the schedule. And the I'm thinking, Pacers. Yeah, the Pacers, of course. <laughs> if he did that. Yeah. I mean, don't you think that? Oh, yeah. If he gets to within like 40, we might not even see him play. Yeah, he'll rest against Wouldn't the it Pacers. that the record, which would be such a great event to attend, could actually be the reason you don't see him play at all at Indianapolis? <laughs> Because you know a lot of people have bought tickets just to see LeBron because he's at the end of his career. He's, you know, I, I'll say the second best of all time. I still have a tough time dethroning Michael Jordan. A lot of people do. Um, but you've got to appreciate what LeBron has done for the NBA because after Michael Jordan, the NBA didn't have a face of the league 
And uh, somebody had to step up, and here comes this 18-year-old kid, this phenom, <laughs> out of St. Mary St. Vincent High School in Akron. And he gets on the, the cover of Sports Illustrated. His high school games are on TV. He was already a star before he gets drafted. And then who does he get drafted by? It just works out that his hometown team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, draft him. And uh, it kind of took the NBA by storm. And, uh, you know, the fact that he's been able to be a rebounder when he's needed to be a rebounder. He's a facilitator when he's needed to facilitate. Uh, he used to be a pretty good defensive player. He's kind of given up on defense as he's gotten older. He's not not a great defensive player anymore, but uh, still a prolific scorer. 46 last night, 38 years of age, 46 points. You can score your age. You're doing pretty good. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that. All right, so what else is happening in the world of sports? Let's check in because we've got today's top headlines. All right, well, Indiana's Mike Woodson will not coach tonight at Minnesota as he is recovering from COVID, the school announced. Really? There you go. And the Gophers are down to seven scholarship players, including a former walk-on who have played this season uh, that are available for tonight versus the Hoosiers. So it should be a fun one all around tonight in Minnesota. It's not made a bunch of the news, but there's a lot of people that have COVID right now. There was a doubt about his availability for the AFC Championship game on Sunday. Patrick Mahomes put an end to it. The Kansas City Chiefs quarterback said today about Sunday's conference title game against the Bengals that he's ready to go. Walked up to the podium, walked off the podium, tried to do it without a limp, without a boot, trying to send a message that he's going to be okay. I I still don't get a high ankle sprain because every time we've heard those words used with an athlete, it's generally been like four to six weeks before we've seen them play again. So uh, if he's 100% or if he plays like there's no impact, I'm going to be surprised. And I may also lose... A little something, something, because I'm still riding Cincinnati to win the game. Colts owner Jim Irsay has a desire to hire Jeff Saturday. This comes from CBS Sports NFL insider Josina Anderson. Be the new bumper sticker. Reported today. Desire to hire. (laughs) According to Anderson, there are some people who work close to Irsay who are not in favor of Saturday becoming the team's head coach. Chris Ballard. One more for you. Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, and Patrick Mahomes are finalists for the AP 2223 NFL MVP and Offensive Player of the wait, Year awards. Wait, hold on. The finalists for the MVP are announced. Who was it? Jalen Hurts, Jeff, Justin Jefferson, Patrick Mahomes are finalists for both Offensive and MVP. Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen and Cincinnati Bengals yes. quarterback Joe yes. Burrow are finalists for MVP. Yes! Give it to Burrow. There you go. Those are your top headlines. I've got a bet that has been sitting there since like July or August. Yes, cash me in. Joe Burrow, MVP. He should win, actually. I mean, really, he should. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I mean, you gave me that list of names and I'm like, nobody on there has carried the team like Joe Burrow has carried Cincinnati. Now, there's a lot of other factors with the Cincinnati Bengals. But Joe Burrow has been terrific. You can give us a road update by texting us at 46862 if you're out of the roads and can pass along any kind of updates or information on what you're finding. I know we can tell you to avoid Hessen Castle. 
south of McMillan Park all the way out to 469. It is not worth driving if you can go any other path, whether that be Anthony, whether that be uh, Highway 27 and cut over on Paulding or Tillman. Much better off than trying to make the uh, the slow trek down Hessen Castle. It was a rough drive into the office today. 46862 is the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. You know, I we've talked a lot about Joe Burrow. And, of course, as I mentioned last segment, he is my pick, preseason pick, to win the MVP. And that's why I'm hoping that he actually comes through and gets awarded the MVP. Um, because I did put a little something-something on Joe Burrow winning that. Uh, but you know what is making Cincinnati special? is the defense. I looked at the defense over the last two years, the run in the playoffs for the Bengals, and other than the 24 points they allowed to Kansas City last year, they've held everybody else in the teens. That gives you a chance to win. They've also been extra stingy in second halves of those games. And so I thought, how did Indi- how did Cincinnati all of a sudden create this good defense that we seem to be overlooking? And they've done it with a bunch of no-names and castaways, guys that that uh, were kicked to the curbs from some previous uh, previous teams. They've made some good draft picks that have been uh, key contributors for them. And I started to look, and first of all, Jesse Bates, three years ago, he was kind of the big name among a no-name defense. I mean, that was not a very good defense. And the one guy that was kind of the star of them defensively was Jesse Bates. Now, and this is not a knock against Jesse, this is actually a compliment to the rest of the unit. They've caught up with him. And all of a sudden, then Cincinnati feels like maybe they don't need to pay Jesse Bates. Three years ago, they would have given him anything he wanted, but that was long before his extension was due. And so this year he's playing on the franchise tag instead of a long-term deal. But the thing is, they've gotten so many other good players around him in the last three years. And I mean, this has all happened within the last three years that this defense now takes a lot of pressure off Joe Burrow. And the offense puts added pressure on the opposing team's offense to try to score on that Cincinnati defense. And they work hand in hand together really well. I mean, some of the moves that they have made have paid off. And I don't know who executive of the year is going to be, but chances are, I don't even know who the Cincinnati general manager is, but he might deserve to have some consideration. He drafted Burrow, drafted uh, Jamar Chase. But when you look at the defensive side, uh, you know, the, the players that they've signed or drafted just in the last three years, cornerback Mike Hilton. Got him in 2021 from the Steelers. Linebacker Logan Wilson. He's a third-year player. He was a draft pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now he is starting at linebacker. Corner Cam Taylor-Brett. Just a rookie, but already playing significant snaps for the Bengals. Von Bell. Von Bell has been really good because a lot of times teams are throwing away from Jesse Bates, and Von Bell has created a great balance at safety. Uh, a guy that was uh, let go from the from the New Orleans Saints back in 2020. Uh, cornerback Eli Apple, he's been uh, an interception machine. He's uh, one of the lockdown defenders for them. 
Uh, they picked him up after he'd been with multiple teams. I think he had three different teams that he had played for and been dumped by. And the Bengals have picked him up, and he's fit in with this defense perfectly. Um, Jermaine Pratt, fourth-year draft pick, linebacker. Uh, they picked up uh, B.J. Hill from the New York Giants a couple of years ago. He's uh, part of that defensive line. Linebacker Clay Johnston. He came over from the Panthers a couple of seasons ago. But it's like just in the last three years, the way they have built this defense, selectively finding the right guys out of free agency. Uh, they made a trade for a couple of guys. And then they had two or three draft picks that have been valuable to them. And, uh, you know, we, we focus a lot on the offensive side of the football and justifiably so because uh, their offense has been pretty spectacular with T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, uh, Joe Mixon, and, of course, Joe Burrow. But in an improved offensive line, although <laughs> they're hurt by injuries, but that gives even more credence to the, the general manager getting some credit here because an offensive line that even the starting five was bad a season ago has been patched up. And now even with backups, they're finding ways to protect Joe Burrow. So, a lot of credit has to go to the Bengals' front office for what they've built. And if the Bengals do defeat the Kansas City Chiefs back-to-back -back years on the road at Arrowhead, you're talking about a team now that uh, that could be in the, the uh, start of a dynasty, that D word. Hoosiers on the road taking on Minnesota tonight. Yeah, they'll be without uh, Mike Woodson, as you heard in the... Uh yeah, he's got COVID. Recovering, yeah, recovering from the COVID. I mean, at what point are you recovering? I mean, because to me, it's like, okay, if he's recovering, then he's had COVID for a couple of days. How did he sit with Don Fisher? I'm like, Don, you okay? I hope he's on the call tonight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope everybody's okay, but yeah. Um... Well, that's the thing, too, is the head coach has a lot of meetings and a lot of uh close interaction with with a lot of people in that program and uh you know that and it's it's kind of odd because i've just in the last two weeks i think four or five people uh that i know I, well let's put it this way since january 1st i've mm -hmm. got five five people that i know uh and and mike woodson i guess i don't really know but now i know of it um but uh, it seems to kind of be out there and circulating. But of course, nobody wants to dare talk about it. But it uh, that darn that darn stuff's still around. Uh, of course, China is having a terrible time with it right now. But so he will not coach. I don't know what that changes because right now this team needs to be coached from the locker room. And I don't think Mike Woodson was great at drawing up plays out of timeouts. And so your scout coach is probably going to be the prime primary leader of huddles, whoever has had the scout for Minnesota. Yeah, so I'm I'm just seeing this. They said um, they're told that there is no acting head coach and the staff will work together tonight. Well, and that's probably because the guy that would have been named the head coach probably is not taking on that responsibility because then what happens if you lose? Mm -hmm. All the blame goes on him. And so there's probably a, a second or third coach down the line that had the scout of Minnesota. Why? Because Minnesota is not Illinois, not Michigan State, not Wisconsin. When you, because I can, I can just tell you from experience with the Mastodons, 
that they go through the schedule and you've got about uh, two or three assistants, three assistants that actually rotate having the specific scout for each team. And what that means is they break down film, they break down personnel, they break down out-of-bounds plays, uh, they break down what they do defensively. All of these things put together a package, they present it to the head coach, and then it's presented to the team when that becomes your next game. The assistant coaches will work on a team for a week or two ahead of time. And so you might have Coach A handling the game tonight, let's say. Coach B handling the Cleveland State game coming up on Friday. Coach C might have the game next Thursday. And then it rotates back to Coach A for next Saturday. That means right now, Coach C, who doesn't have a game until next Thursday, has probably been working since the weekend on his scout, has a week and a half to prepare. Probably one of the Indiana scouts that was not one of the top coaches is probably assigned Minnesota just because Minnesota's not that good. And so a lot of times you'll have your best coaches who are the most experienced at preparing the scout be the ones that work the biggest games. And in this case, it's Minnesota. And uh, and so that scout will probably have a lot of say and have a lot of control of the adjustments that are made during the game. He might be responsible for some of the matchups and substitutions, but ultimately the whole group will will be united in uh, in calling the shots. And it's a different dynamic, you know, not having one voice in the huddle. But that's why this team's going to have to be coached from within tonight, and we'll see if it affects the Hoosiers as they take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Let's get the thoughts of Dylan Sin on this. He's going to join us when we come back from the break. Uh, Dylan Sin from the Journal Gazette to talk Indiana-Minnesota. We'll talk some Purdue basketball and more as he joins us next here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rump, Adam Lundy, and coming up next hour, Greg Rakestraw. We'll talk uh, a lot of different things with Rake. Colts coaching search, high school girls basketball, sectional, regional, semi-state, state. We'll break it all down. Rakestraw joins us at 520. Right now joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline, live from Minneapolis. Not really. I don't think. It is Dylan Sin from the Journal Gazette. Dylan, uh, you decided we could have Minneapolis weather here. Why travel? That's exactly right, yes. I, uh, even if I had designs on going to Minneapolis, I don't think the weather would have told <laughs> me to do so today. So yeah. I am at home, and I will be watching the IU game. Uh, big news from Indiana today. Mike Woodson is going to be unavailable to coach the Hoosiers because he is, quote, recovering from covid uh, it's going to be basically by committee, uh, the coaching for Indiana tonight. What what do you think that means? How, how does Indiana handle it, and does it affect this game? Well, it seems like they're having the, the statement they released said that Yasir Rosemond, is the, he's the associate head coach. He's going to be handling kind of the scouting report and pregame stuff, um, and, and he'll be the one addressing the media after the game. So it seems like he'll have the final say. On some stuff, I would assume they, the, the assistant coaches will kind of huddle together uh, in some key moments to try to decide on what they want to do and come to a consensus. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's obviously not ideal. Uh, critical game for IU here. You would love to be able to get above 500 in the Big Ten with a win on the road, and then your, your coach isn't available because of COVID. And that's obviously a difficult break, but IU is playing well enough right now that hopefully for them they can, uh, they can overcome that. 
That's one of the keys. They've got three wins over three really good quality opponents. It's not hard to get fired up and focused when the names on the opponent's jerseys are Michigan State, Illinois, Wisconsin. This time, it's Minnesota. Uh, How does Indiana avoid a letdown? I think that's one of the main questions going into this game. As we've seen the last three games, so much of what Indiana needs to do is bring energy to a game. And, I mean, that, that, that carries them a long way because of the talent they do have on that team. If they bring energy and match it with that offensive firepower they have right now, they're going to be in every game. And as we've seen the last couple of games, win pretty handily a lot of nights. But if they don't bring a lot of energy, they are going to struggle against just about anyone. We saw that against Penn State. We saw that against Northwestern. We saw that against Rutgers where they weren't really competitive in any of those games. Northwestern, they made a nice charge at the end, but it was way too late. And you just weren't even competitive most of those games. And so you could have a game like that tonight where – Minnesota is not some hapless team. They're in last place in the Big Ten, but they're not um, some Division II team that you can just kind of win by 20 regardless of how you play. They're a good team that just happens to play in a tough league. So Indiana is on upset alert tonight without a doubt. Jamison Battle is a guy that you've got to be aware of because he can be a very streaky shooter. He can burn you from three. The points can add up in a hurry if he gets hot. He is... Kind of the four-man for Minnesota. I'm trying to think, how does Indiana best match up against Jamison Battle? Probably the best matchup would be to put Jordan Geronimo on him, try to frustrate him with that length and athleticism that Geronimo brings. Um, We still don't know how close to full health Grace Thompson is. Obviously, he would normally get that assignment, or Miller Kopp would would be in that vein, um, because then you still have to deal with Dawson Garcia, the Minnesota center. Right. But, yes, you're absolutely right. Jamison Battle is a guy who can pull you out from beyond the three-point line and shoot over the top of you and also go inside and get to the rim. And so uh, you, I would say it's probably um, Jordan Geronimo is going to get that assignment at least start and try to frustrate him because he will shoot you, shoot himself out of the game, too. He went 0 for 9 against Purdue last week to Jamison Battle. He's shooting just 35% from the field. So that's something to keep, keep an eye on as well. What is success for Indiana, how do you measure it tonight? Because you take on an inferior opponent who's only got one win in Big Ten play. Uh, you know, a one-point win is a win on the road in the Big Ten, and everybody says that's, you know, a win on the road in the Big Ten, you take it. But isn't Indiana have to get some style points in this game tonight? I wouldn't say style points so much as you just want to continue to see the defensive intensity that we've seen in the last three games. You talked about that it's easy to get up for some of these teams that are closer to the top of the league standing, some of the, the uh, bigger brands in the Big Ten. Can you get up for a game that is not against one of those big brands? When you're, when you're not at home, when you go on the road, the crowd isn't quite as raucous as it was when they played Illinois, and you could kind of say, we're going to silence the crowd, that kind of thing. Can you bring that same kind of energy? Because that energy has been the, the key for Indiana all year long. Sometimes they have it, sometimes they don't. Recently they have. Can they keep that going even with, Mike Woodson not on the sideline. I think that's going to be the players are going to have to bring a lot of that energy themselves, and we'll see whether they have that in them. Talking to Dylan Sin from the Journal-Gazette, who joins us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline tomorrow night. The Purdue Boilermakers go on the road. Always tough when you're wearing that number one ranking as a target on your back. Purdue has experienced it once already this year, and now they go into Michigan. And, uh, you know, this is a Michigan team that, that, in, that Purdue should uh, be easily favored over. Uh, it's not a great Michigan team. But here's what I'm watching. 
one of the few teams in the Big Ten that actually has a matchup for Zach Eady with Hunter Dickinson. Sometimes you throw the records out because it's all about matchups in basketball, and I think that's an important one for tomorrow night's game. No, I, I think you're exactly right. I think Purdue is prepared for that. That's part of the reason they lost to Michigan last year is because Hunter Dickinson was able to pull Travion Williams and Zach Eady away from the rim and shoot threes over the top of them. He went six for nine from three-point range in that game in, in uh, um, uh, Ann Arbor last year where Purdue just was really the only time the whole year they were just not competitive in that game at all. Michigan won easily. And so if, if Dickinson is, uh, plays that way again, it could be a tough night for the Boilermakers because Zach Eady is better at guarding on the perimeter this year than he has been in the past. He worked a lot on that in the offseason. We saw against Michigan State a couple weeks ago. They switched him onto guards every once in a while, and he was able to at least get a nice contest up on the perimeter. So it, it's not something that's impossible for him to do, but it's not easy. And Dickinson is the type of player, the type of big, who can not only hold his own size-wise, but also pull him away from the rim. And that's what makes Dickinson such a unique player and a tough matchup for anyone, including Zach Eady. To protect Zach Eady, do you think there's any chance that Purdue would match up Caleb first on Hunter Dickinson? I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised. I think that Caleb first is probably a better matchup just one-on-one because of his length and athleticism on the perimeter as well. But I think... Michigan doesn't have someone else because then you're putting Zach Eady probably on Jet Howard, and that is <laughs> almost a worse matchup, right? So uh, it's tough because Michigan is set up in such a way that there's not someone you can really hide Zach Eady on, unfortunately. Uh, this would be the game where Purdue would call on the zone defense if they had it because, uh, yeah, the individual matchups are a little bit frightening when you look at Purdue and Michigan. What kind of game do you expect? In that, in that contest, what does it come down to with Purdue and Michigan? Uh, as, as it comes down to so often in the Big Ten, it might come down to how the refs are calling fouls, quite honestly, because Zach E, his number one goal in the early going of this game is going to be put Hunter Dickinson out of the floor by getting him in foul trouble. Are the referees going to call it when Zach E.D. gets fouled? That's something that Matt Painter has complained about uh, the last couple of games here is that Zach E.D. is getting hacked on just about every possession, and they're calling it maybe two out of every ten times, and he doesn't like that. He thinks his players should be protected. And so can Purdue get Hunter Dickinson in foul trouble, get him off the floor, and maybe change the complexion of Michigan's matchups a little bit? And I think that's going to be a huge key in this game uh, because they are going to that is going to be Purdue's uh, goal in the early going is to make Hunter Dickinson play defense in the post and get him in uh, pick-and-roll matchups. Do you have Purdue number one on your ballot? I do. Yes, I do. I, I think that right now they are, pretty, especially after the losses by Houston and Kansas last week, I think they're pretty clearly number one. I had the number one last week when they were number three. So I am. I, I do believe they are the best team in the country right now. Uh, where do you have Indiana? Do you have them at all? I do not have them ranked right now. Um, I, I, I think there are some teams in front of them, and not even in the top 25. I mean, Penn State has an identical record. Indiana, they won by 20, so it's kind of hard to put them ahead, that kind of thing. Uh, I think that Indiana, if they win both games this week and then maybe beat Maryland next week, then you start to think about it again. That would be six in a row, but there's a long way to go to get there, I think. Is it a weak Big Ten or parity in the Big Ten this year? Uh, I think it's parity. I don't think it's quite as strong of a Big Ten. I don't think you're seeing the great teams at the top, which is why I think Purdue, in addition to having a a two-and-a-half game lead right now, or a two-game lead, is a heavy favorite because there's really no other great team in the league. Everyone else is going to lose some games uh, as we go through here. But 
I think there are probably seven to eight tournament teams in the league, and then uh, and that's pretty much par for the course where they usually are. Nine or ten is probably excessive, but you can get eight teams uh, in the tournaments in this league pretty easily based on where things sit right now. Purdue football, and uh, they've, they've announced their coaching staff. I guess filling out the coaching staff, Ryan Walters has uh, announced most of the position coaches, most of the open vacant coaching positions. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to dive into this. Any surprises? It looks like he's called on a couple of his buddies from Illinois, a couple of former Boilermakers or, or guys with Boilermaker connections. Uh, anything to make of the list that was announced today? Yeah, I think that's kind of the, one of the biggest things that you talked about is, is a lot of the people are from Illinois. He brought a lot of his of guys he worked with at Illinois to this job. I mean, he built a very, very good defense at Illinois. That's not the worst thing. But it is kind of it, there are there it does raise some questions of okay how well connected was he in this coaching search did he get the best person for each for each job or was it more someone he was comfortable with and obviously you want comfort as a first year head coach you want to know that everyone you're working with is someone you trust um, but is it possible they didn't cast quite wide enough of a net we'll obviously see going forward but obviously but comfort can't be overrated either. Appreciate you, Dylan, and we'll look forward to your coverage. IU, Minnesota, Purdue versus Michigan coming up tomorrow night. You planning on being in Ann Arbor for that one? Weather permitting, I will be in Ann Arbor for that one. So that's uh, as long as they get the roads clear, I'll be up there. All right. Appreciate you. Have a great night. Great. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me on. Dylan Sin, Journal Cassette, joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Didn't ask him about any picture captions uh, in the paper. Any any. Uh, misspellings or typos that might occur that's in- that's not that's not his fault i don't think yeah i, I don't think so <laughs> yeah dude it seems unfair to pick on dylan for that <laughs> i i know there's probably some people we lost but those that have either seen a facebook post or uh, a social media posting or had a friend tell them about it they probably know what we're talking about We'll take a time out, and we're going to come back. We've got a whole other hour before I book out of here and head to the Gate Center. Mastodon's basketball against IUPUI tonight as the Dons and Jaguars hook up. 7 o'clock tip, 645 the pregame show here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. And in our next hour, we will talk to Greg Rakestraw from ISC Sports Network, also the voice of the IHSAA Champions Network and the Colts postgame radio host, Uh, We'll talk to him coming up in our next hour. Plenty on the way. Don't go anywhere. It is a hump day edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.